Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 229 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, it's October, I've just survived COVID and really need to catch up on a few jobs around the apiaries to make sure we're still on track for a cosy winter. Listen in for my roundup of all things beekeeping. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast after something of an enforced break. As most of you will know, I've had my very first bout of the COVID virus and it really did knock me back for a couple of weeks. I guess it was no worse than a really bad dose of flu, but we all know just how serious man flu can be. I've only ever experienced one other flu-like bug as bad as this before, and that was quite a number of years ago, back when I was something of a keen angler. My very good friend Darren and I were both keen pike fishermen, and we would spend days and days floating around the Norfolk rivers and broads in search of these legendary monster fish. On this one occasion, I wasn't feeling particularly great before we left, but decided not to let Darren down, so we went out on the River Yare here in Norfolk, a slow-moving, wide river, well, wide for Norfolk, that is, and our chosen spot was just outside Norwich. To cut a very long story short, because it's not really beekeeping, after a few hours of shivering on the boat, I had to plead with Darren to take me home. Once home and Darren had left... I realised I didn't have my house keys and with no mobile phones in those days I had to sit by the back door shivering until my wife arrived home. Two weeks later I was finally able to get out of bed. I don't think even Covid has been that bad but I think that's due to the vaccine I've had for which I am very grateful. I'm still feeling the after effects of the bug. I do get quite tired after a small amount of physical activity, quite breathless sometimes Um, But just doing something like feeding the bees, lifting those heavy syrup cans around and stuff like that does make me feel quite tired. So I'm using the time constructively by updating my website and my Facebook groups and more of that later. Unfortunately, my COVID infection happened to coincide with Steph losing her beloved Vauxhall Astra and us agreeing to share the truck. I've probably picked up COVID, shared it with the steering wheel and given it to Steph. So she's about a week behind me, but again has had the vaccine. So hopefully is on the mend. Well, at least I think she's on the mend. All of this has happened at a pretty busy time for us. And I'm a little on the back foot now trying to catch up and get the colonies ready for winter. So the whole COVID thing has left me being a little forgetful too about where I am at updating you all on the progress into autumn. And here we are a week into October already and so much still to do. 
if it's okay with you, I'm going to start over with my update. And if nothing else, it will help me refocus on the plan and where we're at. First off, let's think about the bees. After all, if we don't get them sorted, we won't have a season next year. It's why this time of the year is so vitally important and why new beekeepers will hear more experienced beekeepers talk about their season starting in the autumn and why we all get a little bit worried about some of our colonies. I still haven't counted up all of the boxes of bees we have, so I'm still not able to say with any conviction exactly how many colonies we have. I'm guessing it's going to be something around 170-ish or thereabouts, and of those, all of the commercial colonies are now sold, and that leaves me with about four or five national colonies and nukes, some, if not all, of which are booked for sale. What that means is I'm going to lose around 25 to 30 colonies once we get into the spring. And as a result, that will mean that we're back down to around 140 to 150. But that's just fine. As long as I can get them all through the winter, I'm not convinced that I can, But and I'll explain some of the reasons behind that now. Through the latter part of August and September, I split a large number of colonies something like 50 in total, to produce nukes to overwinter and start the increase ready for spring next year. You see, we've sold the vast majority of our national colonies, which reduced the total number of our hives by quite a significant amount. So I was keen to start building that up again this autumn. What's happened is that a number of these nukes have been wiped out by wasps and hornets, Predation by wasps particularly has been significant this year and that has hit me quite hard. I've still to count up the number of nukes we've lost to wasps and it's not good. On a brighter note, those nukes that haven't been attacked by wasps are doing great, building up nicely and with the current run of mild weather they're able to crack on with foraging and building their brood nests. The setup for our nukes this year is very similar to the way that I managed them when we were using the BS Honeybees 2-in-1 poly nukes. Those I used as two 3-frame nukes with a divider down the middle, and I'm using the Technoset hives in a very similar way, with a divider down the middle creating two 5-frame nukes. The idea being the nukes would maintain their brood nest area next to the divider, thus sharing warmth between both nukes on either side of that divider. The problem right now with some of them is that one side has been wiped out, leaving the other side on its own. The plan is to use some foam insulation that we've been saving to fill out the space and provide some additional protection for those isolated nukes. We don't generally see severe winters here in Norfolk anymore, so I'm hoping we'll again get a relatively mild start to the new year and our nukes can cope with whatever this winter throws at them. Those colonies that we didn't split are doing fantastically well, strong colonies with plenty of food stores to the point that we've not really had to feed them at all, thank goodness. These are the colonies that were on the borage and they've literally filled their brood boxes with the remnants of the borage honey. I was tempted to strip them out, extract that honey and give them back the extracted combs to refill with syrup, but I figured they'd worked so hard for it, we'd been able to get a decent crop off them and it would have put more pressure on 
at the honey room, which with hindsight would have created more work than I think I could have coped with, especially with the COVID issue. So actually, this time round, it was the right decision. For most beekeepers, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, our interactions with our colonies have mostly stopped now. And I would say, if you have a queen-right colony, there is no need to inspect them now. And actually, you could do more harm than good if, in fact, you do inspect them. At this time of the year, our colonies are shutting down the brood nest area, sealing up any gaps and generally binding everything together. Bits of wax connecting comb, honey capped and made ready for the forthcoming months, and pollen glazed over to protect it until required. Opening up the brood nest and inspecting for no reason at all can and will undo a lot of the work your bees have put in, and they'll have to go through it all again. Lots of experienced beekeepers will tell you not to inspect your bees now for these reasons. They'll also tell you there's not much you can do if there is anything wrong, so what's the point in inspecting anyway? Again, this is where I tend to drift into a more relaxed grey area. Before I go on, it's important to say that the more experience you have, the easier the decision-making process becomes, and the easier spotting issues becomes. Let me explain. You might wonder what's going on in a colony, because you've seen a number of drones at the entrance, for instance. And at this time of the year, it is likely to indicate there may be a problem. Not always, but most colonies will have ejected all of their drones by now. So it could be an indicator that you have a drone-laying queen. So it makes it worthwhile taking a look. If you don't check, but instead follow the black and white advice of those learned beekeepers you might miss an opportunity of uniting a colony that contains a lot of workers with another strong queen-right colony and give them additional resources whilst at the same time allowing the remnants of that drone-laying colony to survive and provide some help with that queen-right colony. It will also prevent an explosion of wax moth in the drone-laying colony once those bees have died out. Now I know this is a somewhat simplistic example, particularly for all you more experienced beekeepers out there, but for the inexperienced beekeepers listening, it's always worth having a quick look if you believe there may be an issue in a colony. I did just this last week and I'm glad I did. Here's what caught my eye and what I found upon further investigation. I was at the Fishing Lakes Apiary checking the general state of the colonies. We have them crowded in at what I call the queen-rearing apiary. This is where all the nukes have been settled down for the winter. Unfortunately, it's also quite close to the hornets and wasps, so I think several have been hit hard by the predation. However, those colonies that are surviving are doing, generally, very well. Again, for the beginners listening, a lot of beekeeping knowledge and experience can be built up without even lifting the roof of a beehive, Simply wandering around your apiary, watching the bees in flight and around the entrances can give you a lot of information and allow you to form ideas and alert you to potential issues and point to colonies that may need a closer look. In one part of the apiary, I noticed the bees were flying well, with the exception of one nuke. I had flying bees going in and out at the entrance, but there wasn't any pollen being brought back by the workers as there were with all of the other colonies, and they weren't particularly active. Then I spotted a couple of wasps emerge from the entrance and disappear on the wing. That, for all beekeepers, should sound alarm bells. 
I grabbed the smoker and hive tool and opened up the nuke. What I found was a tiny cluster of bees, perhaps no more than a dozen workers, the queen stuck in the middle and seemingly well, and a very few number of eggs with one or two tiny larvae. Something had gone terribly wrong. There were no dead bees anywhere to be found inside the hive, no pile of dead bees outside the hive on the floor, and no obvious indications that there had been some terrible disease at work. The outer frames within the nuke box area, which had been full of food stores, were practically empty. All the indicators were pointing at a robbing incident. This is where wasps, mostly, but also other honeybees, descend upon a weaker colony and swamp the entrance so that the nuke or the colony can't defend itself. Once in, the wasps and the bees race around to grab any available stores that they can find. Wasps will also predate upon the poor old honeybees in the nuke, and combine that with the hornets outside the hive grabbing bees on the wing, it results in a fast demise of that small colony. The only positive thing here was that the queen was alive, and apparently well, and still trying to lay eggs. Here, experience will teach you always to have a few spare bits and bobs around in your kit bag just in case. In this situation, what I really needed was a queen cage and some fondant, both of which, somewhat surprisingly, I had. It's not particularly tricky to pick up a queen by her wings and pop her into a queen cage along with a few workers, just three or four in this instance. I had just the colony for them to set up a new home in. Over at the farm, there was a honeypaw Langstroth hive that had, for reasons unknown, become hopelessly queenless. At least, that's how it appears. No brood, no eggs, a couple of half-hearted queen cups, not really queen cells, and lots and lots of pollen being glazed over. It's sometimes tricky to see how this situation can happen. After all, honeybee colonies know when they need a new queen and will produce queen cells, right? Well, this could be a case of bad timing and clumsy beekeeper, perhaps. I don't know for certain, but here's a scenario that could lead to this situation. What if the colony was on a brood break? The queen had stopped laying and all available brood had been capped. The beekeeper, that would be me, carries out a late autumn inspection and accidentally damages or kills the queen. It happens sometimes. Without any viable larvae or eggs, the workers are now in a situation where they can't produce a new queen, even if there were drones available to mate with her. And this is why lots of experienced beekeepers will tell you not to inspect once you get into the late summer and early autumn. Anyway, as luck would have it, I had a spare queen. So she's now suspended in her cage, the tab's been removed, and with any luck, she's been accepted into the colony and will head up those bees through the winter and into the new season. Well, fingers crossed, and I'll let you know how I get on with her in future podcasts. Finally, if you've not yet taken a look at our support groups, check out the Facebook groups. We've had a bit of a change. For absolute beginners, we have the Stuart's Beekeeping Basics group. But if you're after a little more in-depth, intermediate and advanced conversation, check out Stuart's Beekeeping for All. We have lots of experienced beekeepers in both groups, willing to offer help and advice to you if you've just started out on your beekeeping journey or need something a little more advanced. Go to Stuart's Beekeeping Basics if you want to get all of those beginner questions answered. 
If it's something a bit more sophisticated, head over to Beekeeping for All. And don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos, this podcast, hopefully on a weekly basis going forward, with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm a Paulie Stewart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Mm-hmm.